It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Glad you're here. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, with you for a full show today until 9 o'clock. University of Georgia football kickoff and tail or a pregame and tailgate begin at 11:30. So, ha, huh, that means Dave Baker has to go off the air half an hour early, and then the Bulldogs travel to Knoxville. They're probably already there to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. So, kickoff for the game right here on your home of the dogs is at 3:30. So, I'm with you for a full show, and I'm glad because we have a lot of great calls today. 404-872-0750, and then coming along at the bottom of the hour, still taking calls, but we'll be talking to Rafael Santiago of Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com. So start thinking about those tree questions. I know you're probably sitting there looking at your spouse going, yeah, this tree we've been talking about for a long time. What's wrong with it? Should we call? Yeah, it's a free call. You get free advice, so why not? 404-872-0750. We'll jump right in this morning. Up first, Larry calling from out in Gwinnett County. Hey, Larry, what's going on? Good. I have some camellia bushes, and one of the the leaves are turning an olive color in it, and I was wondering what can I do about that? Okay, so the, the leaves of a camellia, you know, are generally like this nice, deep, uh, glossy kind of green. So when you say olive, are we talking like a lighter kind of bright green, or are we talking like a really dim with some red in it? Uh, olive, like a bright green olive type. Okay. No red in them. Now, do the leaves look a little puffy? Uh, that I'm not sure. So what you may have is leaf gall. Um, that happens to camellias oftentimes, and the leaves look swollen they're definitely a a different color than the other leaves and that's just a fungus that happens to the plant it's not fatal to the plant but if that's in fact what you have a leaf gall really take a good look and see if they look a little more swollen and maybe a little more curled than the others if that's the case larry go ahead and start picking those off Um, and then you just want to take them away from the plant don't pick them off and drop them on the ground um, just for, for good, you know, environmental practices, keep that area clean. T- remove those leaves. Not going to take but a minute to pluck some of them off. And then you may want to have a fungicide on hand um, and use that before it puts on a lot of new leaves in the spring just to keep that from happening. But it's certainly not going to be fatal. All, right, all of them are turning the olive color. I mean, without seeing it, and, and your definition of olive green and mine may be very different, but just kind of based on you saying it's a, definitely a different color stands out than what it should be that that sounds to me like leaf gall um really camellias are so sturdy and so tough one of the only other things that affects them is t-scale and that's at the like actually if you flip over the leaves and if you see anything on the bottom of the leaves like the underside that's going to be t-scale but with the leaf gall you're not going to see an insect so um, T-scale, the only reason I bring that up is A, because you'll be able to definitively see that if the insects are on the bottom of the leaf. But then um, you'll also be able to know that that's probably more likely the problem. But that would make a difference in the color because those insects kind of suck the sap out of the leaf. So that causes a discoloration as well. So do, do me that favor. Look on the underside of the leaves and see what you're dealing with. There's, if there's no bug, then it's just leaf gall and pluck those leaves off. Okay. And the next question is, I have blueberry bushes. When can I prune them? Winter time is really good. Are they out in the landscape or are they in pots? 
They're out in landscape. Okay, and how tall are they? <laughs> About 10 or 12 feet. <laughs> yeah, so once they're established and they're that big, wintertime is a great time because you can actually see the structure of the plant. So I would do what they call like renewal cane pruning, and that's where you remove whole canes. You just go, and some of the ones that look the oldest or they don't look sturdy or they're crossing one another – Take those out, cut all the way down, you know, take it all the way down to the base of the plant. And then some of the branches that are going outward, like at the bottom, if they're going um, horizontally, you know, outward, those aren't going to do much good either. So go ahead and take those out. But you'll notice, okay. Larry, too, you know, take some time uh, when you're when you're removing some of the canes and some of the stems. You'll actually see some of the buds on there, but that's okay because it's going to put on new growth and they're going to be able to, you know, generate. You'll still have plenty of fruit. Okay, thank you. All right, very good. You drive safe out there. Thank you so much for the call. Glad you called. Two very good questions. 404-872-0750. And, and let me just say, if, if you call with something and you describe it the best you can, and I still can't really visualize what you're saying, um, you can always share pictures with me, especially in certain cases I may ask you to see pictures of a tree or a leaf or a flower or something like that. A picture's worth a thousand words, right? So um, on the Facebook page, if you're having that problem right now, as a matter of fact, on the Facebook page, you can message me, send me a direct message and send me a picture or two. I don't need five, um, but find me on Facebook. Green and Growing WSB is the page. Like it, follow it, and that'll allow you to send me a picture. And um, I'm a one-man band as, as, as that goes, so I try to answer as many as I can as quickly as I can, but that really makes the diagnosis process a lot easier. Um, up next, calling from Atlanta, GA, it's Roger. Hey, good morning, Roger. Welcome to Green and Growing. Good morning. Hello. Thanks for taking my... Oh, you sound really relaxed on a Saturday morning. I like that. Yeah, I just woke up. <laughs> um, but um, I'm having some, uh, I have a sickly azalea bush in my front i've got um they're pretty large on each side of my front door and uh the ones on the left seem to be dying they were the leaves were turning yellow at first but now i've got a lot of dead branches and just in that one and not the other so um just concerned and don't know what to do so when the leaves were yellowing, what what did they look like there? Did it look like insect damage? You know, was there like stippled spots on the top of the leaves, or did they literally just turn yellow and fall off? They turned yellow and fell off on both sides, and, but more on the the sicker the sicker side, and then just you know stalks of just completely dead, withering you know azalea. Okay, and there was no chance that any Roundup was sprayed in the area and could have drifted through the air and hit those azaleas, right? Mm, I don't know that for sure. I do have um, an exterminator that sprays every other month, you know, around the perimeter of my home, which, you know, is pretty close to my bushes. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that could be it or or what, but yeah. there's a little there's a little bit of new growth within, you know, the dying parts, but not it's not keeping up the pace. Hmm. That could just be a number of things. Um, and if it were happening from the bottom up, I would say it's something, you know, within the roots, maybe root rot or it's staying too wet or something like that. Now, naturally, you know, a lot of you listening, you do know it, it's normal for azaleas to have a lot of yellow leaves, um, but you just kind of have to look for patterns 
if they're concentrated on one part of the plant, that's kind of why I asked, you know, if, if maybe there was a chance of Roundup damage or something. Um, have, did you prune at all this year? Well, I, instead of pruning, I, I, I just cut it with like a hedge clipper. I just kind of box them up, you know, cut the top, cut the sides. Um, but what's the best time of year to do that? I thought I read right after like April after they bloom, but I had somebody tell me, no, right now is a good time to cut your azaleas back. So a hundred percent after they bloom, after they bloom, because them, uh, they and rhododendrons are in the same family. And it's really cool. They work so quickly, almost immediately after they're done flowering, like as soon as July or early August, you can already see that they're putting a lot of that energy toward putting new buds on. And that plant holds on to those buds all the way from August through next spring and they just you know know when to open when the timing's right but so anybody that's pruning now you'll actually see the buds and you're cutting those off and it does not have time to put a new enough new growth on you know in the spring so a lot of people miss out on just one year of flowers but it's it's not fatal it's not a big deal um so i would do a good pruning after they bloom because if there's anything that's kind of lingering or any kind of insect infestation kind of giving it a fresh start once they flower see how they do because they may surprise you they may leaf out just fine i wouldn't fertilize or anything like right now because that's just not the right time um but not much i wouldn't do much in the winter just because a whole lot's not going to be effective so keep an eye on them cut the branches that definitely look like they're just they're not going to make it they're weak they're hanging into the walkway or anything like that um but just a good rejuvenation pruning after it flowers, keep it fertilized throughout the spring too. That's going to ward off anything that's trying to weaken it. Just a good azalea, rhododendron, camellia fertilizer. You may apply that twice in the spring when it's in active growth. And I really hope they rebound, Roger, because they're tough. I think they might. Good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, keep an eye out for any insect, but that you'll you'll definitely see more than just yellowing leaves. Like you'll see discoloration in the leaves. You'll see webbing. You'll see, you know, the insects themselves, and that just doesn't sound symptomatic of what you're describing. I'm going to take some pictures and send it to your Facebook Aha, page. See, that came in handy. I love it. Yeah, please do. I would love to see it and get a closer look. You know, give me like one or two pictures from you standing back a little ways, and then maybe just one close-up picture of a portion of the plant that's affected. Okay, Roger? I'll do it. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Have a great Saturday. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you're waking up with me this morning. That's so great to uh, to have all of you here early on a Saturday. All right, coming up, we have Dinah. She's asking, is it too late to clean out birdhouses? Patricia in Cartersville, I'll be up in your neck of the woods tonight. Patricia, I'll tell you why here in just a little bit. I may stop by for dinner. Uh, a rose that was cut and then rooted in a cup. So when to plant outside, anything that you've propagated from another plant, that's really exciting. And we're anxious to get those going. So we'll have answers for uh, Dinah and Patricia and Jan coming up. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing. I want to get right back to your calls because they're really good. But first, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Saturday and Sunday, that's today and tomorrow. Sunny skies, highs in the mid to upper 50s. Lows getting down close to freezing, so that's why that freeze warning goes into effect at 10 o'clock tonight. Be mindful of that with your plants outside. 404-872-0750. Up next, calling from Canton, it's Dinah. Good morning. Good morning. You've got a great question. It's I don't get bird questions very often, and I love them. What do you want to know? I want to know if it's too late to clean out my birdhouses. I don't think so. Now, is this something you do every year? Yes. 
Okay, because generally most of the breeding is done by August. From what I understand, there may be certain birds that that doesn't apply to. But generally after August, you're safe to do it. And it it doesn't even have to be done, really. If you leave some of the nesting materials in there, there are going to be other little creatures and critters, maybe squirrels or mice or something that could use that as well. And then there's bluebirds that don't mind building a nest on top of another nest from another bird. So take it or leave it either way. And some people get really in depth with like a very, very mild soapy solution or bleach solution. Dinah, you don't have to go to all that trouble. But um, yeah, if you want to pull it out and make it nice and cozy for them to, for, you know, start nesting in the wintertime, that'd be fine. Thank you. Oh, good. Appreciate that. Yeah, great question. Thank you so much. And a reminder to folks to keep those bird feeders filled. Now is really a good time when they need to stock up on energy. All right. Up next, Patricia in Cartersville. Hey, Patricia, welcome to the show. Yes, I have a cut rose that I received and I put some root grow on it. I got to root in a cut. So is it okay to plant it outside now with, you know, the cold weather here? Should I put it in a pot and keep it in the house until spring? Yeah. So when did you start propagating it and all that? How long has that been? Uh, about three months ago. Okay. So is it pretty decently tall? Does it have some good leaves on it? Yeah, it's got two different sets of leaves that came out. Oh, nice. Okay, so I don't think it's quite sturdy enough yet to be able to weather the cold, and especially this weekend of all weekends. It's going to be crazy. Um, established right. plants we like putting out this time of year because the roots will you know, be able to kind of acclimate, not be stressed with the summer heat. But something like that, that's going to put some extra stress. So what I would <clears> recommend you do, keep it in a bright window, not direct sunlight necessarily, but a bright window. I know it's going to be kind of a pain to, to have in the house and be moving it around. But I would just continue to care for that, keep it watered lightly, and then plant it in the spring is going to be the best thing for you to do. Yeah, I have it in a cup right now just with water. Should I put it in a pot with some dirt or just keep it in that cup with water? Um, once it gets some roots on it and you start to see those roots in the water, then it's ready for the soil. So make sure it's a clean pot. It doesn't have to be brand new, but a clean pot, some really good fresh soil. Go ahead and do that. Bury it you know, as deep as you see the top of the roots. And it's going to be just fine. If you need to stake it up with something, too, that's fine. But baby that, put it in a regular pot. It'll just act like a house plant until you're ready to plant it in the spring. Thank you so much for the call, and good for you for experimenting on that, Patricia. I like it. We'll be back with Rafael Santiago and Premier Tree Solutions, ChopMyTree.com, and more of your great calls next on WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to the show. I always am just in disbelief when we get to this point, the halfway point of the show on 6 to 9 every Saturday morning. And yeah, it's just after 7.30. So as promised, I do have Premier Tree Solutions, Chop My Tree, try to bring these guys on once a month to help me, to help you. So tree health questions, major tree work, whether you need to have them removed, maybe limbed up or major pruning jobs, give us a call now. Free advice. I tell you, Raphael is the nicest guy ever. 404-872-0750. And you will definitely be moved to the front of the line. I'll bring Raphael on in just a minute. But I did want to talk to Tina up in Canton. Tina, you're the third caller from my home county this morning. Welcome to the show. Well, good. Thank you very much. Thank you for for letting me call them. I'm a return caller. I love it. Thank you. Same problem, different symptoms. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay, I've got a crown of thorns, and I lost one from when I called you last. And the one I have now is very large. I brought it inside before the frost, and it's um, the, it looks like a weeping willow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the meter says that it's low water, but I don't know whether to water it or what to do. The, the, the leaves are turning brown and falling off. Hmm. Victory. <laughs> I'm trying to think what indications it would show you of having any kind of disease problem or anything um, because the leaves turn brown. Yes. Usually if it's a water issue, you have more yellowing of the leaves and then it's able to bounce back. But the fact that the leaves are just going to straight brown kind of indicates something a little more fatal to me. Um, Hmm. Watering, regular watering is so key. And I know you've got the water meter, which is great, but also just, I mean, whether or not you trust the reading on the meter. I mean, I would just still use your finger. I know it's tough to get your finger in there safely and not get stuck with a thorn, but sticking your finger in that pot and just seeing if, you know, put it down as far as your knuckle. And if that's really, really dry, it's a good time to water. Um, Did, did you leave it out when it got cold? Like maybe two weeks ago, we just had one cold night. Um, No, we brought it in that night. Okay. Okay. Um, will you send me pictures? I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I just really, I don't want to, I don't, I hope it's not as bad as it seems, but it could. But you're doing everything right. You've got the water meter. You're bringing it in. You're very conscientious of that when the weather gets cooler. Give me a close-up picture of the area where the leaves are turning brown. And then mm-hmm. give me kind of one, stand back a little bit, like an overall kind of health of it. Because I it, there may be something to indicate some kind of disease or something deeper that's going on there. I will. Okay. Thank oh, you I'm so, so much. glad. Yeah. So, yeah, Green and Growing WSB, that's a Facebook page. And then just send me a little message there with the pictures. I'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tina. And I think that's so cool. She's the second call about a crown of thorns plant. Like, what are the odds? That's not even that common of a plant, but that's so cool. We started off the show with Richard hearing about his, and he said the same thing. I'm bringing it in. I know it's going to get cold. So, right on. You guys need to get to getting today as far as that. So ready to bring on Rafael Santiago with Premier Tree Solutions. Welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. You do so well on the radio. (laughs) This is really fun to have you. And usually Jeff Roth, the owner of the company, is with us and he has a a job he's got to be on this morning. So um, we love when folks, you know, give us a call. But give us a little bit of your background. You are a certified arborist. Sure. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I became a certified arborist about five years ago, I think. And uh before that, I uh, I was a forester and was not a certified forester. I went to forestry school, and so I had my background uh, through school in that in that ma- in that manner. Uh, once I came into the what we call urban forestry, which is an arborism, I just fell in love with it. You know, I, I have a passion for saving trees. Um, I would like to uh, evaluate every single possibility and to save a tree as opposed to just taking it down. Mm-hmm. I know it's very tempting to. Uh, Sometimes very tempting to uh, just uh, remove a tree when uh, there's a disease or a bunch of dead branches. So I'll like to assess it first and, uh, if possible, uh, come up with treatment possibilities and uh, options and uh, save a tree. Yeah. I mean, you've got like the scientist in you that you like looking at all angles and really getting to the bottom of what's going on, but also kind of like a doctor because once you diagnose the health or the problem of the tree, I mean, it's kind of cool as far as you guys go to save a tree, like injectables into the trunks and all kinds of treatments that can be done that a homeowner can't do. That is right. We also have an approach for safety. Um, I became a a track certified. That stands for Tree uh, Risk Assessment Qualified. And um, we look for uh, the structural um, 
physicalities of the tree and uh, we look for the dangerous parts and then yeah. we try to assess the risk and look for targets if there's a house underneath it, what the, the degree of lean, uh, how sound the trunk is, cavities, things of that nature. And then we make a decision whether or not that tree should be removed or, or come up with any treatment uh, options. It's just amazing how well arborists are trained. I mean, your eye can go to a limb that we would up, we would look up above our heads, see the same limb, and not necessarily see something wrong. Whereas you could see its weak points, yeah. Like you said, its structural flaws or flaws where it could be a danger. Yeah, we try our best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So before we get to calls, I've got Holly in Stockbridge talking about cutting back a, a crepe myrtle. I wanted to ask you. I think recently one of my top three things to do in the landscape was staking new trees that are maybe being subject to being blown over by strong winds. Um, and make sure that newly planted trees stay watered consistently. But that part about staking, um, and I even did this myself. I have a long limb that I cut off of a Confederate rose plant, and it's kind of standing on its own, like two feet tall, as a little tree in my landscape. But someone who is buying maybe a new dogwood or something and planting it now, it's a great time to do that. Um, we want to make sure we don't plant it too deeply. But what trees are best that we know we're probably going to have to stake, whereas can we get away with some new trees that don't really need it? Best species for, for staking? Um, when they're new. When they're new. Um, I would go, well, I think all oaks in general are, are species that, well, they're going to grow to be big. Yeah. Um, so at some point, some of those oaks, they're going to start leaning. Some, some look towards the sun, and mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have that natural lean. Maybe that's something you can stake it up and uh, correct its lean. Because down the road... You're going to have a problem. Yeah, right? you don't if it starts growing, leaning, exactly. it's going to continue growing that it's way, It's going right? to continue to grow that way. It's just looking for sunlight. It's not yeah. a major defect. You know, trees, they tend to uh, correct their lean sometimes, and they have built-in uh, modified cells huh. inside the trunk. Yeah, it's called uh, reaction wood, and th that's something very uh, interesting for the homeowners out there that have leaning trees. Uh, the side that the tree leans toward has what's called compression wood, and that these are very tightly attached cells that can bear a lot of pressure, a lot of wow. weight. And on the opposite side, you have a lot of elasticity, so you have alligator cells that can take a lot of tension. So you have tension wood and compression wood. I'm, I'm sorry if I went no, too, that's really too interesting. in depth with, with the whole thing, but the, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to freak out about a leaning tree that has been leaning all its life. Okay. It's not good to have it. Everybody would prefer to have it all straight up. But uh, if you do have it, and if it's been leaning for a while, it's not really necessarily a sign of, of danger. Okay. And we can intervene now and, you know, try to have it grow upright the best it can. So when we plant a new tree and we do stake it, I mean, if I'm talking something that's only, you know, three feet tall, what, what would you warn us against, like staking it, not to do that would damage the tree? Sure. Don't get it too close uh, to the root system. You don't want to damage the root system. Uh, don't tie it too tight yeah. to, the, to the branches. You don't want to damage any of the branches. And make sure you take it out, you remove it yeah. when, it's, when it's the right time. Make sure you water all of the, the regular, the, the, the rule of thumb you know, uh, necessities that a tree has. What would be some of those best? I mean, zip ties and things, I guess, are commonly used. But is is a zip tie or something or maybe like a rubbery kind of something good to stake, but it's not going to, like, you know, gash into the trunk of the right. tree? Right. Uh, I see a lot of people using uh, It depends on the size of the tree, of course. You can ask for uh, directions depending on the size and species. But I've seen people using straps for, but for 
not tiny trees, of course, from yeah. major, bigger trees. Uh, you can use zip ties. Just make sure that you take them off because I think they're more detrimental. They go, they're going to hurt the tree more. Yeah. Since most zip ties are made out of plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think rubbery material is uh, more, it's less uh, detrimental for the yeah. for the tree. It'll give a little bit and then still remove that at the right time. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. And we do have a good question. Like I said, up next, Colin from Stockbridge. Holly. Hey, good morning, Holly. Welcome to Green and Growing. Oh, hang on a second. Let me. How do I get her up? Hey, good morning. Hey, so you've got a couple of good questions. One about a crepe myrtle and one about a Japanese maple. So you've called at the right time. Give us the crepe myrtle one first. Yeah, so I'm actually in my driveway looking at it. And um, this crepe myrtle is very mature. Um, it has four stalks on it. The, the trunks are probably about... Um, four to five inches thick just to let you know how um, mature this plant is and this tree um, we trim it back often you know we do it every year my question for you is looking at it right now it's been a little neglected because we've had some personal things going on in our lives but it's got it's so healthy it has got um, sprouts growing from the roots, you know, um, it's overflowing with branches and those little berry buds that grow on the tips of the uh, branches. I mean, my goodness, there must be millions. So is now a good time for me to trim this back and how can I trim it back and make it look nice and neat, um, coming up in the spring and still have it flower. Okay. So does any major pruning need to be done to that crepe myrtle, you think, Raphael? Uh, you know what they say about crepe myrtles, right? They're <laughs> the, nearly impossible to kill. Yeah. So <laughs> you can pretty much prune at any time. And correct me if I'm wrong, what, do you, what your thoughts are. Ashley, I, I agree with that, too. And, and wintertime is probably best to prune a tree just because you can see the silhouette. You can see what you're working with. You're not going to interrupt any new growth, obviously. Um, but... With, with one that size, Holly, generally we say start pruning out stuff that's as big around as your finger. That's the stuff that can go first. Anything that's like a pencil width, those limbs, cut those out, cut out any branches that are crossing one another. Um, if you're just trying to, you know, affect the height, but don't do crepe murder where we just go and like Straight take an axe. Yeah, yeah, those look so awful when the trunks are just completely bare. And as far as the sprouts at the bottom, suckers, that's super common, right? They're common. They're easy to remove. I mean, you've got to be patient, I guess. You have to go, you know, one by one and, and take them out. But yeah. uh, I know it could be a bit of a pain, but you have to keep doing it. You can put some mulch on, mulch on top of it. Yeah, yeah, that'll them. keep some of the sucker. And Holly, I definitely want to hear your question about a Japanese maple. If you don't mind, I'm going to put you on hold. It'll only be just a couple of minutes because that's going to be a great question for us as well. But we got to step out, check traffic and weather. We'll be back to Green and Growing on WSB. So there's talk about a freeze warning tonight beginning at 10 p.m. A heads up for that. Be ready. Your complete weekend forecast brought to you by Finley Roofing today and tomorrow. Sunny skies, highs in the mid to upper 50s, lows around freezing, and it's going to be gusty today. Winds could reach 15 to 25 miles an hour. So as promised, I'm bringing Holly back. So, Holly, your second question quickly was about a Japanese maple. Yeah, and I will be really quick. Oh, I just have a, I have a very mature Japanese maple. Um, it is uh, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet wide. It's very big. And so the branches, um, because it's so healthy, it hang down and kind of drape on the ground a little bit. 
And I don't care for that. I'd love to trim it back a lot, but I don't want to. I know they're sensitive, so I don't want to shock it. My question is two parts. A, is now a good time to do this? And B, how much can I take off the plant without um, killing it? Hey, Holly, so I'll take a question now. Um, for Japanese maples, they're very particular uh, on, on their trimming, the way you prune it. It varies from species to species. However, there's a general rule of thumb that, you know, wintertime, it's always the best for any woody plants for that matter. So you, I, if I were you, I'll wait a little bit until winter uh, really comes in. I wouldn't do anything aggressive just now. Uh, you don't want your tree putting out new growth, and then winter comes along, and then it becomes a mess. Um, you can take those branches out almost immediately, the ones that are almost touching the ground. Uh, just don't go, don't take anything bigger than, let's say, uh, an inch or so, um, and uh, leave the aggressive pruning for the winter time. I think that's uh, that would be the best approach there. And those low branches, Raphael, when she goes all the way back to where they're coming off of the trunk, where do you make the cut? Like, do you leave a little notch of what's left of the branch, or you want to get as close as the cut up? you know, along to the trunk? Great observation. So if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself, I would hire some specialists. But if you want to do it yourself, uh, like Ashley mentioned, make sure you cut it back to the branch collar. So what the branch collar is, uh, you cut you cut it all the way back to the trunk, but you don't make a flush cut. You don't want to see a big cut exposed one in your tree. Make sure you leave a little nub in it. We're talking less than a, a quarter of an inch, yeah. maybe, or so. Uh, and leave it like that. Don't cut it in half. Don't leave a stick just standing there. <laughs> you don't want to see that, and that stick will eventually die. Um, and you don't want to cut it flush as well. So make sure you do the proper cutting there. And the tree is going to heal itself over at that branch collar. Yes, you create calluses around. It's the best way for the tree to seal it, yes. Nice. Holly, wonderful questions. Thank you so much. Coming up, Jan in Milledgeville pruning a chaste tree, Vitex. Damon in Milton cleared out some trees to plant a pasture, wants to seed some grass. Steve in Alpharetta planting a Fuji tree. I think that's going to be an apple tree. And, of course, conscious about pollinators, how to bring more pollinators and bees to those apple trees. That's great planning ahead, Steve. So, And more tree health and tree pruning questions. If you've got questions about transplanting them, tree health, something you're observing, Raphael's your guy. 404-872-0750. We'll be back. Thanks for being here early on a Saturday morning. Bundle up today, folks. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.